Once upon a time, there were millions of businesses struggling. Every day they wasted time, effort and money on repetitive tasks that added no value. One day, the Better Automation podcast by Processio came to show them the way. Because of this, these businesses save time, reduce costs, innovate and make better decisions now. Because of that, these businesses grow, prosper, and use human creativity to change this world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I'm your host at Better Automation Podcast by Processio, where I interview the world's top experts and share their best ideas on how to improve automation in your business, processes, and life. My guest today is Karim Sahyun. Karim is a data-driven digital transformation consultant, an enterprise business architect, and a blockchain expert. Karim has 28 years of deep operational experience in digital startup, the GCC public sector, manufacturing, transport, logistics, retail, and other verticals. Karim, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Abdelaziz? I'm feeling positive, feeling very good. And I'm wondering, because it's fascinating to me, the origin stories of people. How did your story begin? And how did your journey with automation and digital transformation start? That's a good question. It's a good place to start. Um, I was born in Lebanon to parents of uh, German and Palestinian and Armenian roots. And uh, I ended up in the GCC here in Dubai. GCC stands for the Gulf Cooperation Council. Uh, but uh, yeah, I ended up here in Dubai where I grew up before uh, finishing my high school here and ending up in Canada studying engineering. I've then spent, I guess, a total of 20 years in, in North America and the Caribbean working and I've came, come back. I came back to the region here to just participate in this amazing growth that everybody is witnessing right now. Thank you. That's wonderful. And why digital transformation specifically? I don't think I chose it specifically. I think that as a teenager, um, my desire to have a computer, I had to justify it to my parents. And I think I was probably, you know, making the first... Uh, use cases, designing the first use cases, I think, or uh, even preparing a white paper is what we do today to, to convince my parents to spend X amount of dollars on a Commodore Amiga at the time when I was a teenager. And since then, every business that I've touched or been involved in, I've always tried to improve and make it more efficient. And what better way to do it than using software? I agree 100%. And since you were mentioning improving businesses that you're involved with. Is there any specific project or anything you've worked on where you used software to improve that you're either really proud of or stands out in your life as something memorable? Well, I think the more the most one of the more visible ones is the extension of the Dubai Metro second phase that led to the expo, which just ended actually a few days ago, which was a wonderful event. The construction of the Dubai Metro uh, had about 17 million artifacts. I helped to automate the requirements management 
using an IBM software called Doors. That was a very challenging year and a half project. I've also automated and designed the software for the container terminal in Haiti that managed our, uh, our at the time when I was living there, the vessels that we were, we were uh, and the, the maritime shipping companies we were working with. And I think um, leading the change management for uh, one of the biggest uh, projects in the region, which was uh, TAM. TAM is a platform that unifies all the government services of Abu Dhabi. And I was the senior change manager on that uh, project. Those are really, really interesting. As me personally, I'm very interested in change management. And if you read all the literature about system theory, that the first like in, uh, prime directive of any system is to survive. And therefore, change management is hard, not only because it's changing something into something new, but because what exists tries to resist because uh, systems try to survive. So what insights do you have for any business that is trying to create change within itself to transform somehow in dealing with the natural systems, uh, you know, attitude and tendency to try not to change or people not to change as well as habits to return and be back in destroying any goals and any attempts to make them better. It is a very interesting topic. And, um, uh, basically, first of all, I think is recognizing that there is a need for change. And uh, sometimes uh, companies are trying to implement systems without even realizing that they're actually changing the organization or even if you consider digital change, if you consider digital transformation, you're actually ch you might be changing the whole business model of the company, right? And then once you understand that there is change, it's understanding that one of the three elements which of any any program or project is people, processes, technology, people, and understanding that people are very resistant to change because they have expectations, they have fear, and they have uh, all kinds of, let's say, issues, things they like and, and uh, affinities and relationships, whether it's with other people or even systems. I've I found, you know, I, I, find, I constantly meet people that are in love with their Excel sheets that they've developed. And removing those Excel sheets from them is like almost like asking them to break up with their girlfriend or their wife. Um, I think those are the key. If the keys, basically, if you recognize that change is there and that the human part of that equation is key, addressing it in a, in a structured way, in a, in a planified way, probably ensures that you're on the right track for implementing a, a successful program. I love that, that you're speaking about how to implement in the right way and systematically going about change. Let's say a business came to you or a government or any entity that is interested in automation and digital transformation. How is that? How, how does that work? What is your process? What will happen first, second, third? How will you manage the whole project? I think, uh, yeah, I've done this so many times. Yeah, it becomes almost automatic. The first first step is understanding the business, understanding what's the actual state of the business, understanding some of the pain points, actively listening to the people that run the business, 
And it's not only the CEO. Sometimes the CEO or the leader doesn't really know what's going on. He has one view. So taking all the perspectives into consideration and scratching below the surface. And this is a part that I enjoy very much. Uh, and uh, I usually uh, i am quite good at it because I'm curious. I ask questions. And I build that picture. And then uh, whether it's an understanding, and then maybe that may lead to uh, what we call in consulting an as-is, which is what's the actual state of things. It might also include a basic architecture, which is basically model a model of the business, depending on how complex it is. You can imagine if it's a bank, it may have 500 plus systems. So you need to know what's going on. You need to know what the business is, but then you also need what you need to know what technology is in place. What are the human resources, the org structure? So an as is, and only then, and once we've understood what the aspirations of the business are, what they're trying to fix, is it a specific pain point? Is it uh, a profitability issue? Is it a department? Is it a new technology that they're trying to launch or a product that they're trying to launch? Only then you can define the to be, so what they're trying to achieve. And then again, we again model and we use architectural uh, tools to build a model of what that view looks like only then can we really begin to automate these new processes? It's interesting. I mean, I, I'm trying to follow your train of thoughts and I love going from as is to as if or to the to be and then uh, linking that to the pain points and only then beginning to automate as a solution point. Is this related somehow to... Let me, let me interrupt just for a second, just to add to that point. I think... There is, a, there is a, a clear distinction or a point to make about digital transformation. I think in this world of digital transformation, there are some issues, and even by seasoned practitioners, and that they look at it as a, a company or an organization is just a set of processes, and we're just trying to automate them. And this often leads to uh, lackluster results or very low exp low let's say, low satisfaction. And I think the number is 80%. And this is a Gartner number that we can verify. 80% of digital or technology projects worldwide fail to live up to their expectations. The right thing to do is not just to automate the processes. It is to really look at the business, understand it, right? Like taking a clear view of what it is and what they're trying to do. And then possibly redefining the new the new to be. So the to be might be a completely new organization. And only then you'll be able to define new processes that should be automated. I really love it. And it's actually different to something I'm quite familiar with. And maybe you are as well. Uh, the theory of constraint that actually most people are dealing with the symptoms of a deeper root cause of all their pains. And therefore, they're just like... Um, rearranging the, <laughs> the deck chairs and the Titanic. At the same time, actually, it seems what you do is more radical or revolutionary than that. It's not only changing a root cause, it's transformation really of the model, of the whole structure, of everything. I want to understand, do you think in terms of theory of constraint that any business whatever they say those are symptoms and you look for a root cause that you try to fix first or 
do you believe that there is because I remember we spoke before about this but it's uh, it's worth repeating that often there is the real business that they are in compared to the business they think they are in and you're taking them to be in alignment with their real business where the real profit and value is rather than uh, like putting lipstick on a pig or (laughs) trying to make something as Peter Drucker said uh, there is nothing as worthless as making something not worth doing more efficient, you know? This is a very valid point. And I, I'm, I'm going to say something that's a bit more humble here. I don't think that I have the right answer to every business. And I'm not here whenever I go into a, a situation or an engagement. I don't believe that I know the business better than the actual people that work in it and often these are industry experts that have been it often their whole career but i think that we're not uh often um from a practical standpoint right to deliver results we're not going to try and boil the ocean i think that's a good one and it's not about completely transforming the business that we're going to bring any satisfaction it's really about scratching the surface surface of course you know, uh, root ca- root cause analysis is is a is a is a very, let's say, uh, common tool for us engineers and and, uh, and consultants. Yes, definitely, this is something that we look at. But it's really about understanding the real pain points and then nudging. I like the word nudging. Nudging people towards possibilities, suggesting if there is a transformation of the business model that should be made. But it's not about transforming the whole thing and coming and asking somebody to chuck 20 years of their life away. And, 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 and that arrogance is re- usually not well received. And that wouldn't make me a good change management practitioner with it. Thank you. I agree with you. I remember in psychology, they were proving that going Kaizen by 1% like nudges in, uh, in the direction where you want to go is much better than going cold turkey or doing some big moves because what happens is that your subconscious will get freak out and get into a fear state because of the radical and the really big jumps that you might be making into the unknown but very small nudges they're accepted so now now i actually do understand how you support people and systems changing it's by making the change so like step by step or baby step that it's, it doesn't you know create any fears and you spoke a lot about pain points pain points i think three times you mentioned that what typically or usually are pain points that you encounter in your work that seem to be more common than not within whether businesses enterprise or entities or anything that comes for you to get some help? There's so many. Um, You know, data is big today. Uh, Often uh, we have an excess of data, data sitting in silos. You could just sit in in an office for a little bit and asking a few questions and realize that data sitting with different people in different parts of the organization are not not traveling. So lack of... uh, collaboration, causing inefficiencies, data is one, uh, profitability is another one, right? Uh, why Why is this not profitable? We did our math, we did our business model, it should be profitable, yet we're spending too much money here. Why is it? 
well, it's too difficult to do this. Why? And there's a lot of whys and there's a lot of questions and we can call them pain points. We can call them bottlenecks. Uh, we can call them uh, traffic. Uh, we, you know, uh, sometimes you don't have the right people in the right roles. It could be anything, really. And this is the beauty of this business. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. I like that. When it comes to data, what is the biggest benefit of automation? Is it improved decision making by the people who are the leaders of the company or the enterprise, etc.? Or is it, like you said, more about coordination where each department will get the right information for it to do its job at the right time in the right way without excess costs or inventory or whatever like that or it's understanding the customers and the clients and therefore serving them even better than before what usually are the biggest impacts when you create a project that improves either data access data display or understanding and analysis of the data yeah data is a big word and we could we could like you said uh, use it for decision support right so your management and you want to know what you're doing how much you're doing how much it's costing you how many customers you have but then you know uh, i think uh, and we're not going to go into the classic kpi discussion right what doesn't get measured doesn't get done i have a view on on kpis and and if, uh, if you read uh, professors like uh, Kevin Kaiser of INSEAD, he says, you know, don't aim for the KPI. KPI should be a measure, but it shouldn't be your objective. Because, and there are many examples of companies that aim for KPIs, in fact, do not deliver results. The real objective should be delivering value, delivering value to the customer, whoever it is, right? And then once we now we talk about customers and you, you raised it in your in your question is data data understanding the customer and understanding the employee i'm involved in both if you look at the internal experience of the employee that's change management that's understanding how the, how the, your employees feel how are they using the systems that they have at hand right and then collecting that data and understanding and designing systems using those personas which are techniques around data collection of people, right? And then data of the customer. If you don't know your customer, how can you offer them tools and products that they will buy if you don't have the right data? I love where our discussion is going. And I will say that most people that you speak with about automation, uh, they think first about, well, we will save man hours. We will need less employees. We will not have someone who will call in sick someday or perform less, you know, because of the variance and all that in performance, but it will be reliable. You're bringing into the forefront thoughts that are more about more strategic, I would say, or more structural and bigger picture. But in general, what do you think are the first tastes or ways that companies, enterprises and entities see immediate or faster results when it comes to automation. I understand, you know, the difference between urgent and important and that we live in an instant gratification society rather than longer term views. But since we're dealing with it, what often are immediate changes and impacts of automation that if someone implemented a project today, 
they can expect to notice very fast? I mean, the quick win, yeah? This is the quick win or the lowest hanging fruit question. It's a very valid one. Um, unfortunately, it's not. The answer is not to rush in and automate. The questions that should be posed, the quick wins will be around asking questions and understanding the business and having an honest conversation about what the, what the issues are, what could be improved, and then to start to look at how to improve them. I don't think that... Uh, you know, technology is the answer to everything. And often the problem is too much technology or not the right technology or the technology has not been implemented the right way. And there's one, there's one elephant in the room in, in digital transformation um, that everybody seems to ignore. When you procure a large system, often that system, whether it's a, you know, branded ERP like Oracle or SAP, the implementation of that system is often more complex and the configuration is more complex than designing a whole new system. So that implementation has to be so well planned and we often use architecture in order to implement it properly because you get lost. You actually get lost in implementing such complex systems. I agree with you 1000 million percent. And my gripe or something that in theory a lot of the strategic thinkers will say, look, don't waste what you have, because often really like the best solution is to rethink, uh, like reinvent everything and rethink everything and start from scratch. But strategically, they will say, well, you're destroying some competitive advantages or things that you have. You should sit and analyze what you have that is already working and don't destroy that. But that adds even more complexity and you end up with a Frankenstein system, which is like a mix of what was with what you want to create and things like that. What is your recommendation? Let's say there is a business, they have some things like islands of profit in a sea of red. Uh, I, I think that was a title of one of the books about profitability that you look for the small like black or uh, like green or profits within your business and the, the red things or the things that are not profitable to either cut them off or look at how much they contribute to economies of scale and scope, etc. and build on those? Or do you believe it's well worth it to just rethink everything, start with a blank page and then engineer something as if you're starting from scratch and build that with total freedom and unattachment to previous limits? This is a very good question, Abdelaziz. And I believe that any consultant that comes in and recommends that you scrap everything and start from scratch is probably mistaken. And in a world today, the, the world we live in today in digital is all about agility. Agility means uh, working in an agile way, means working with backlogs of issues, building up. And one of the things that we see often is IT departments or technology departments that are very resistant to change and will always come back with, no, I'm too busy or we're doing this or we're doing that instead of saying, oh, that's a really interesting issue. Let's put it in our backlog and build up this list or backlog of issues. And then every, every once in a while, sit down with the business and say, you've given me these hundred issues, which are the ones you want to resolve in the next two weeks or next two months? Let's discuss Let's discuss fixing those. Today, bimodal IT, this ability to 
fix IT while maintaining the actual status quo is really important. You cannot come and shut down something and start from scratch. You cannot scrap and start from zero. There are too many, too many dependencies, too many assets, too many investments, and you're already working. You already have customers. You have systems in play. How can you do that? It's, it is impossible to do that. And anyone who recommends doing that is, is, you know, any plan that recommends that should be looked at very, very closely. Thank you. What do you see is the future of automation and digital transformation? Do you believe the current tools that are used should use some machine learning or AI or cognitive like study of experts in order to already begin with some recommendations to any users and therefore any experts such as yourself will be used for the highest, most impactful uh, valuable things or what's happening is already good what matters is not the tool but the master who's using it like you know in the samurai I believe they say that it's not the sword it's the swordman using it that makes a whole difference or what is your perspective on the future of the whole practice the whole industry and the tools available this is a very, very good question. And I have, a, I, have a, I think, a, a, a unique approach to this. And I believe that it boils down to user experience. If we can design systems that offer, whether it's internal stakeholders, employees, or external stakeholders, customers, a good user experience, we're going to have adoption and things are going to go well. If we design systems that are complicated to use, people will not use them. And no matter how much you try to incentivize them and, and punish them, uh, the carrot, the stick, it's not going to work. The other thing is that I think the future right now, and we can just look as recently, and I think we're still living in the cloud, let's say the cloud uh, story. Cloud has transformed computing and automation. Today, a restaurant doesn't have to buy a software. They can just subscribe to a, a system that runs it. It's, it's business and they get the system. They don't even need to, to have a, they can use their tablet. They don't even need to have a server and they get the best practice of that software and they get the updates as well. So they don't need to worry about their technology going out of, out of date and, uh, and uh, needing to be replaced. And I think cloud is, has been hugely, hugely transformative to our industry and to the world. And I think the next one is blockchain. And this decentralization of computing power uh, gives us certain zero trust models that allows us to have this immutability or this ability to really trust um, and have systems that are unhackable because there's so many. You can't hack 50,000 computers at the same time, right? And also this ability to decentralize. And when I say decentralize, it's to give ownership back to the users, whether it's their identity, whether it's accountability. And uh, to quote my, uh, my, my hero or my idol, Charles Hoskinson, it's all about inclusive accountability. Inclusive accountability is a big, big phrase, yeah? Two word phrase, it means so much. It means that you're gonna be held accountable for everything that you do and no one can erase certain things right once it's done it's done and then to be accountable for your actions and uh, the, the new systems of the future will be blockchain decentralized 
systems that promote this inclusive accountability. I love that and I look forward to that future. Karim, it's an honor, a privilege. If people want to get in touch with you to learn more about what you do, the projects you're working on or any services you offer, what are the best places for them to go? And I'll make sure to include links in the description as well. So my Twitter is probably uh, the best way to reach out to me. Uh, I'm active on Twitter and uh, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Thank you. And for me too, there is like a special free access to Processio, which is one of the modern low-code, no-code platforms for advanced automation and creating enterprise-grade backends for the software of any of the listeners, although it's not on blockchain or maybe not yet. So anybody listening can really generously from them get free access to a community account at processio.com and the link is in the description as well. Thank you so much. It was enriching. I learned a lot, a lot of great thoughts, and I wish you a wonderful day. Abdelaziz, I thank you. Thank you.